Welcome along to Top Shelf Tech. Today we are joined by Paul Brislin from Brislin Communications. Now, Paul's a man that I'd normally say would need no introduction, but I'm going to introduce <laughs> him anyway. I, I first came across um, Paul probably about 15 years ago uh, in a time where we didn't have Netflix, we didn't have any of that other stuff, and this person from Vodafone at the time was um, on, the, on the one o'clock news uh, talking about the state of broadband and all this t- uh, pirating that was going on. And Paul quite happily put his hand up and said, well, by the way, I pirate everything as well. I'd quite happily pay for it, but there's no way to pay for it. So until then, um, which I sat back and, and just thought to myself, you can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you can't. No, it's terrible. <laughs> it was good though. Google the truth. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. It really opened up the debate though, I think. No, everybody was pretending it didn't happen. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad glad that it worked. I think, and we're in a much better position now, aren't we? I mean, you know, I'm signing up left, right, and centre. I think uh, I've got Neon, Netflix, Disney, uh, Amazon. There's got to be at least two or three others I'm not thinking of at the moment. It's um, it's the world's our oyster. So, oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. Well, not long yeah. after not long after that, we launched an ISP that included the ability to watch Netflix and stuff remote, and it was remarkable that. Um, that you had less than one percent um, of your traffic was uh, torrent traffic once yeah. people had the option to pay for it. So um, there you go, crazy, <laughs> eh? Yeah, if you, crazy. if you if you let them give you money, they actually might. What a business model! <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about crazy today. Um, today we thought we'd have a little bit of um, of a chat around twenty twenty and has the well world gone mad and it is smashing into tech now. Paul, you've somehow become the self appointed spokesperson for not burning 5G towers. <laughs> I know. It's a strange world, isn't it? Um, I remember going to a public meeting many years ago when 3G was first being deployed uh, and people were holding up babies and um, uh, crying, you're killing my baby with your death rays. And oddly, the babies have not died. They've all carried on quite nicely. And then, of course, 4G came along and uh, and we had the same. And now here we are with 5G. I spent quite a bit of time answering letters when I was at Vodafone. These days I'm independent, but uh, when I worked at Vodafone, I would get uh, letters all the time. Um, They'd come across my desk, emails, letters, um, phone calls, anything mad about cell site uh, location, and they'd send it to me for some reason. Uh, And I distinctly remember getting two letters uh, on the same day um, uh, from a place, uh, I'm guessing the name now, somewhere in the South Island, uh palmerston or palmerston south or new plymouth or i don't some somewhere uh and they had um uh the first letter was uh look i'm a mother of a teenage boy and i uh, have to pick him up from hockey practice after school on a wednesday and uh when it's cancelled there is no cell phone coverage he can't ring me and he has to stand out in the cold for an hour and a half until i finally get round to picking him up and this is terrible uh, I've got a petition with 100 signatures demanding that something be done about this terrible state of our cell phone coverage. And on the same day, I'm not kidding, another letter from the same place. Uh, I understand that Vodafone is planning to build a cell phone tower near our school. This is a travesty and must be stopped at once. And I've got a petition with 100 names on it to demand that you don't build the cell phone tower anywhere near us. And it's just kind of exploded from there. And these days, of course, we've got Facebook and the uh, the, the madness that is um, the Facebook uh, news feed um, where your auntie can tell you that she's heard from somebody that the government's going to lock everything down because of COVID and they're sending in the army. And it must be true because uh, she heard it from her neighbour who's 
brother-in-law is a soldier. So therefore, it's all true. And here we are in the crazy. <laughs> And of course, with the, um, like you mentioned, whether it was 5G, 4G, 3G, whether it's um, new wireless technology rolling out to schools, whatever it is, every time it comes around, every time it gets disproven, every time nobody um, nobody dies or, you know, nobody catches That's COVID right. from, from the transmission, scientifically <laughs> yeah. proven. But like you say, this um, the, the reaction to 5G seems to be on another scale again to what we've seen in the past. Oh, it really does. They've they've really kicked up a notch, and it's partly because uh, you can be a lot more organised with Facebook than ever before. So the tools for disseminating this kind of information are huge. Uh, you can find any you you type into Facebook any kind of conspiracy theory you like, and you will find pages and pages and pages of people who agree with you, uh, and that's empowering. Uh, I mean, that's what Facebook's designed to do, right? Connect you and make a community. But it's also um, when when the core of that um, community is uh, something that's it's utterly untrue, it becomes really quite dangerous and quite toxic quite quickly. So I think that's helped drive a lot of the madness that we've seen uh, around 5G, particularly around the um, uh, the 5G causes COVID um, debacle, which is just remarkable. But um, uh, more so, I think um, that we're starting to see a lot of information being fed maliciously into the system. And um, uh, uh, New York Times put out a, a really fascinating piece talking about Russia today, which is the US arm of Russian state uh, media, which has been propagating this story for quite some time and really driving this whole idea that um, uh, American 5G is really bad for you, but Russian 5G is really good for you. Uh, and that we should all be terrified of what the uh, the um, the American 5G uh, is providing. And this is sort of this this misinformation and disinformation campaign has really driven a lot of this because it looks real. Okay, you know there are people sitting in a news studio uh, with with the all the, all the features that you would expect from a news broadcast saying we should be really worried. Scientists are terrified of this thing, and yet the governments of the world are pushing it out, and it's simply not true. Um, a lot of the um, uh, the so-called scientists are self-appointed. Their evidence is shonky at best and um, terribly misleading at worst. And people are terrified of something that um, we've been doing for, well, near on 100 years now, which is um, uh, using radio waves to transmit data back and forth. Nothing unusual about it at all these days. And you've you've kind of leaped into two pretty interesting other topics. One is the um the the interest of states in the you know really what is propaganda. I think um been um coming out, and I, we'll touch on that shortly. But um, Facebook, social media, uh, the ability, I, you know, I guess we, you know, the internet's not new. Our ability to find data and search isn't new, but the way algorithms determine what may interest you and push that towards you and really create an echo chamber that becomes the perfect storm of, you know, I find the stuff that reinforces my um, viewpoint because that's the stuff that I, I'm going to want to look at and they want to keep my eyes on on screen. That seems to have just really reached another level now and, mm. and resulted in you know a um, number of major brands stopping for a period of time advertising on Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. And uh it's, it is that algorithm. It's that um, you liked this, so therefore uh, you might like this, and it leads you down the path quite quickly. Uh, I've seen research that shows you can go from um, a blank 
um, totally unused uh, Facebook account, brand new to alt-right Nazi propaganda in about six six or seven clicks. You know, it really doesn't take very long to get down to the real dregs of the uh, of the uh, of the internet. Uh, and it's it's because Facebook doesn't actually care what content we're sharing, just so long as we stay on the site and keep sharing it. So the problem there is, of course, uh, there is no editorial process. There's no um, interlocutor to say, is this appropriate? Should we be sharing this? If yes, carry on. If no, then um, let's move you back around. And we've seen this time and time again with um, with Facebook, with um, uh, the anti-vaccine debate, uh, with 5G, of course, with COVID, uh, and with this mass um, uh, sort of uptick in the number of crazy sites promoting uh, in many cases, promoting pyramid schemes or um, fake cures or simply just driving misinformation. And a lot of it is uh, made very easy by the Facebook um, totally hands-off approach uh, to uh, responsibility. It's all care, no responsibility, right? They, they simply don't seem to want to uh, take on the mantle of publisher. Uh, they've said repeatedly, we, d we are not a publisher. We are a platform other people publish. But I think they've turned a corner a, a couple of years ago. They switched off the chronological feed in your Facebook uh, news feed. So you didn't see things in the order they were posted anymore. Suddenly, we're starting to see the algorithm deciding what things you might like to see. Relevance. Exactly. It's suggesting things. It's pushing things forward. And that's where they stopped being neutral and became a publisher. And for my mind, we should be using some of the laws that are already available uh, and saying, okay, well, you, you're making this decision consciously. Sure, it's the IT system, it's the algorithm, but Facebook has consciously made a decision to allow this to be published and to promote it. And that's something that we need to uh, address. Absolutely. So, Paul, no, no, on that note, nobody seems to be able to really reel them in. We can't even get them to pay a tax, a cent, uh, a cent of tax, I should say, in New Zealand. That's right. Um, we, you know, we, they've been pulled in front of Congress. We've seen advertisers, major advertisers, um, withdraw from the platform with actually relatively minor impact because, of, of course, a lot of the small businesses that are on Facebook as a platform for advertising. Yeah, Do you think it's the time for big tech to become regulated? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, social media has um, uh, played this this three-hand Monty game. They've they've moved the, the cups around and the ball's hidden underneath. Oh, we're not responsible. No, we'll we'll spend a bit of money and we'll make sure that we have a foundation and we'll put in place uh, an oversight committee and all the rest of it. Um, Facebook's latest technique is, is its latest um, political tactic is straight out of uh, big tobacco, which is, yes, yes, we should be regulated. Come come and regulate us, please. We, we, we're desperate to be regulated, uh, which means that they've got at least a decade of doing nothing while uh, <laughs> global regulators try and figure out what it is they do. And unfortunately, particularly in the US, the uh, the level of awareness of what it is that Facebook represents and what it does uh, is so woeful in Senate and Congress that any time they, they put up a, um, uh, you know, Zuckerberg has to sit there in his suit and look uncomfortable. He's batting away questions. These guys have no idea what his business model is. Yeah. There's talk of breaking them up because they're too big. So we'll, we'll make you sell off Instagram or WhatsApp. Well, that's not going to actually change anything. That's just going to create two or three uh, monopolies in their own individual areas. Uh, it's got to be something much more fundamental at the, at the very basis of, um, of how Facebook works. Uh, and um, uh, that's the only real way to address it. And unfortunately, that is going to take time and it is going to be quite horrible to see. 
And uh, at the other end of the spectrum, of course, you've got countries uh, like Russia or China that are a lot more locked down saying, well, we just won't allow it. We won't have um, access to these things unless we control uh, exactly what's going on. So you don't want to go that far either from uh, from uh, anarchy to totalitarian regime. There's got to be a happy middle ground somewhere. And uh, uh, yeah, if we could get them to pay tax as well, that'd be delightful somewhere along the way. So, Paul, question here from Craig Spears asking, has anybody actually figured out where some of this 5G and COVID stuff came from? Is it um, somebody just made it up one day? Um, yeah, well, uh, an agenda? that's right. There's a little bit of both. So there was already this um, fear of um, EMF, electromagnetic frequencies and EMR, mm. electromagnetic radiation. Uh, there was, a, there's, as I say, it's been going on for years um, since well before um, 5G, 4G, even before cell phones came along. Uh, people were concerned about uh, television and radio transmissions back in the day. Um, you'll have noticed the distinct lack of a massive outbreak of brain tumours or, or any other kind of um, brain cancers associated with the use of these things. We've been using cell phones for 30 odd years, but we've been using radio waves for about 100. There's no evidence of any kind of problem to solve, yet we keep chipping away at it. So then when 5G came along, uh, we got another round of resurgence uh, of the same old stories, in many cases from the same people, um, who are looking to sell either cures or um, books about the issue or just you know like to stir things up and get their name out there. And then, of course, you've got the added twist of um, uh, what appears to be state-sponsored uh, interference in elections and in day-to-day um, uh, -day life. Uh, from um, countries such as Russia. Uh, we've seen a lot of um, uh, fake news coming out. Fake news, there it is again. Disinformation is, is what it is. Trying just to stir things up and to keep everybody off guard so that you know um, we're not looking too hard at how certain countries operate, at uh, how their leaders make money and where they put the money, uh, all that kind of thing. It's a, it's a huge um, graft, uh, you know, con game. That's, that's the only word for it, I think. Well, and one thing I was intrigued to see recently when you talk about the state involvement in it is, is yes, you've got the, um, the the regimes that are more totalitarian that, you know, will control things. Um, the US, the State uh, Department recently released a new uh, page I think, uh, about two weeks ago, which talks around um, the clean carrier, clean cloud, clean network. So they've gone down a path now of branding um, essentially something that you can, you know, if you're a telco, you can stick on your network to say we're clean and it's got a nice little logo, clean carrier or we're or whatever. So so if you're a freedom, you know, and this is the way it's presented, if you are a freedom-loving business, you will you you can now choose these things. So it's marketed, yeah. it's it's sold, and they're very, um, they're, you know, they, they don't shy away from calling out directly manufacturers, including, of course, um, Huawei, which, um, you know, we probably see now exactly why it didn't get into, um, into you know, New Zealand 5G area, because then we wouldn't have been able to have clean carriers um, in, in this part of the world. Yeah, well, this is a, a move by the US State Department, and it's it's um, quite incendiary. They, they've, as you say, they've, they've identified these four or five areas uh, that, uh, of telecommunications that they've said um, you must comply with our regulations to operate in the United States. And, uh, one, and, and Huawei was the first victim of this, of course, with, um, well, you're Chinese, you've got links with uh, the Chinese military because reasons, therefore none of your stuff will be allowed in the United States. But they've actually gone further down the food chain uh, to apps. 
So TikTok, yeah. um, oh, sorry, if you're owned by China, nope, there's no way you can operate in the United States. Um, uh, app stores. So they'll also look at the likes of um, Alibaba or um, WeChat or WePay, yes. any of these things that have ties with with um, uh, regimes that the Americans don't like. And let's let's remember, especially with TikTok, TikTok is much less invasive in terms of your privacy than Facebook is or Google with uh, with its algorithms. So um, if we're talking about banning technologies based on security concerns, that's one thing. This seems to have crossed the line into um, purely a, a, a geopolitical move. It's, it's really about the fact that they're Chinese. That's, that's the only real benchmark. If Chinese, then they'll be rejected by the Americans. So New Zealand's taken a, a quite a different approach. Uh, I um, uh, caught up with the GCSB um, uh, Director General uh, a couple of weeks ago and had a good chat with him about uh, the decision-making around 5G and how it comes about. And they look at look at each application to build network in New Zealand purely on the technical and security merits rather than on any of the political games. So um, uh, the rejecting of, of Spark's proposal was predominantly around the way 5G is constructed. And I won't bore you all. I mean, we can do a network diagram and I'll show you network core and, and edge computing. But because of the way it's, it's constructed, if there is a problem with any of the Huawei gear, um, whether it's uh, reporting back home or, or simply just being poorly uh, configured, then it affects the entire network and is, is a problem right across the board. So uh, they were very much looking at it from a technical perspective rather than a political one. And that's, that's the real difference between the New Zealand uh, Telco Interception Act, TICSA, and mm. the, uh, the American approach, which is a lot more um, politicized, yeah. So, Paul, as we see um, see this stuff continuing to grow, and I guess tech tech really um, being used, uh, you know, le- leveraged, whatever you want to call it, to um, political to football. In, 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 yeah. in, ab- absolutely. What what do you think happens to good old human discernment? Well, this is the problem. You see, um, I think there's a generation of people who are online uh, who don't have the tools to uh, pick and choose and to understand. Uh, this is clearly propaganda or, or nonsense or makes no sense. This is factual and accurate and we should listen to this. And it's not the, uh, it's not the younger generation, it's the older generation. So the kids coming through schools today are taught an awful lot of, um, in, in the, in the broader sense, it's called critical thinking. You know, um, what we would do as journalists, right? Um, follow the money. Who, who stands to benefit from this? Why would this make sense? you know, applying some some lens to what you're reading and saying, does this actually um, follow? Is this logical? Is this something that would actually happen? Would my hairdresser's auntie in Waiuru actually know what the government in Wellington is planning to do about the COVID lockdown? You know, and you can sort of follow the trail and say, well, it's unlikely, but it's possible, I suppose. And Well, okay, then let's verify. Who else is saying the same thing? Uh, you know, all this kind of stuff that we would do in terms of fact checking and um, uh, reliability of the source, uh, all that kind of stuff is something that the kids are being taught. But unfortunately, the older generation has kind of missed out on. You know, I uh, think about uh, my parents' generation in their 70s and 80s now. A lot of them are online. They're um, totally unprepared for uh, the kind of stuff that looks like news, sounds like news, but is in fact rubbish. 
and uh, and they can end up, you know, I'm sure we've all got family members who are just down the rabbit hole of conspiracy. The United Nations is going to control us with chemtrails and 5G and uh, the fluoride is actually made of 1080 poison and it's all designed to reduce our ability to defend ourselves and all this kind of stuff. There's pages and pages and pages of it. And uh, unless you're thinking critically, uh, you can get sucked into some of these things in a big way. And I've heard some really dodgy stuff from people who should know a lot better. Um, LinkedIn is usually um, a, a, a wasteland <laughs> of boring articles about um, uh, marketing techniques. You know, I'd write half of them myself. Uh, but occasionally you get some loon pop up and start spouting this stuff off. And they, when you look at the, who they are and where they're from, they're actually from um, a, a, you know, a reputable uh, technology company. Yeah, uh, I got yeah. into a big argument with somebody the other day about it. And they were like, oh, no, 5G. I mean, it's just unproven. I'm going, you're a technology person. How can you not understand how the technology works that you're talking about? But they were quite adamant. So um, in the end, you just have to block them, you know, move on. <laughs> so so changing gears slightly, Paul, um, privacy. I remember an episode of South Park some years back where, you know, it was um, joking about signing away Apple's terms and conditions <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, yeah. pretending that somebody actually read them. Um, I won't go into too much detail around the episode because it ended up parroting a um, famous horror movie in a disturbing way. But um, essentially, you know, <laughs> people signing away their rights on um, with Apple terms and conditions. Today, as we're putting digital assistance into our homes, uh, you know, the ability to, you know, I guess have listening devices anywhere, which kind of would have seemed like a crazy concept years ago. Why would you want, you know, yeah. anything like that in your house? Do you, do, you, do you think that we're, you know, in, in terms of that preparedness um, and self-education, do you think we're, uh, we, we're in a position where we understand enough around safeguarding ourselves from a privacy perspective? Well, it's, it, privacy is the big debate of, um, of the next 10 years, I think, um, precisely for that. We're moving to a world now of uh, always on, always connected, uh, always listening devices. And I think uh, there are a number of people who seem quite shocked to discover that um, the device which you say, Alexa or Hey Siri, will burst into life when you say that, uh, is listening to them all the time. And of course it is. I mean, how else would it work? Just think logically about how you can activate something using your voice if it's not listening to you. Um, so we've got to have safeguards in place around these things. We've got to understand uh, and, and, and enforce our rights as private people as private citizens uh, and um, we've got to understand what we're getting ourselves in for when we sign up to a service and say yes absolutely I think about all those Facebook um, quizzes you know they were very popular a few years ago um, which Harry Potter character are you uh, what you know what what uh, it, you know it didn't matter what it was uh, travel food movies books it didn't matter they would come up with a quiz you'd answer all these questions and say at the end Right now, in order to give you your um, your answer, we have to have access to your account. But don't worry, we won't post anything. And you go, okay, well, you're not going to post anything. That's okay. I'll give you access. Oh, look, I should be in Gryffindor or I'm Luke Skywalker or whatever. And you go, ah, that's good. You've just given your, um, there's my Siri bursting into life one moment, please, <laughs> while I okay. shut her off. Um, uh, and um, you would give them access to your account and it would take a snapshot of everything you see, everything you do, the pages you look at, right down to how long you, through the video you watch uh, and all the rest of it. And that, um, that level of privacy, I don't think people realize that's what they were giving away just by answering those quizzes. And it's the same for, uh, for any of these home automation devices. 
Um, you know, you are giving access to uh, your private realm, your home, to devices that need to intrude in order to operate the way you think they do. So, it, yes, that's fine if you are aware of what's going on. It's not good if you think um, uh, that's not happening and suddenly you're surprised by it. You've actually got to pay attention. And it's about, um, it's a term from medicine, it's informed consent. So mm. back to the Facebook example, um, you're consenting to something without being totally informed. You had no idea that Facebook would be giving access to your entire account. And that's what this whole quiz was all about, not about whether you're Harry Potter or not. Uh, and uh, you were saying yes on the basis that you had been well under-informed. And I don't think uh, you could, we're in a position to make an informed decision. Um, it's the same with some of these devices. We've, we've got to be better prepared, but we've also got to have better laws as well. So we get the new uh, Privacy Act comes into effect in New Zealand uh, in December. Uh, and unfortunately, I think it's already um, sadly behind the times. It really doesn't take into account uh, the, 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 the wealth of data the companies uh, collect on people. Uh, and it certainly doesn't enforce any kind of security or um, uh, provisions around making sure that your data is looked after um, safely uh, in any way, shape or form. There is no um, fine regime. There's no enforcement regime. Uh, you look at the Europeans, they've just launched the, uh, well, not just, uh, it's, um, it's a couple of years in now, the uh, General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR. You'll see this mentioned um, in a few places. Uh, and uh, there, if a company breaches your, your, your data and releases publicly, ident personally identifiable information out into public, uh, they're liable for a fine of, I think it's 50 million euros or 4% of general of, of revenue for the year, whichever is higher. So suddenly Google and um, Facebook and, uh, you know, the, uh, the the airports plan that you're a part of, they're all starting to take this very seriously because um, 4% of annual turnover, that's a big number. Uh, our fine regime in New Zealand says if you don't um, notify the Privacy Commissioner of a, um, a problem, uh, the maximum fine is 10000 New Zealand dollars. So they won't even fire up the lawyers for that, right? You know, I mean, it's it's why would you even get involved? So uh, I think it's um, it's time we had a, a much closer look at uh, the uh, the access people have got to our private lives, to our private information, and uh, require that they take care of our data. Um, there's a move afoot to uh, to address this through. Um, uh, giving us ownership of our data. So at the moment, you know, your, your health data, it, it might be with your GP, it might be with a clinic you visited, it might be with the hospital, might be with the ministry. Uh, you as the, as the patient should own your own data and it should go with you throughout, through all the providers, so long as they meet the criteria. And I think that really flips the whole debate on its head and gives, gives the consumer the power. Uh, and I'd like to see that more widely explored. I think that might be the way forward. Paul, to, to finish up, in New Zealand, we like to think of ourselves as a bit of a safe haven um, and, and, of course, very relevant right now. From a technology perspective, and you've, not, you've mentioned sort of the GCSB making more technically orientated assessments than geopolitical, but in terms of the privacy stuff, in terms of, um, you know, uh, our, how, how we consider what we may be getting fed and, and think about that, you've mentioned the privacy acts already behind what do we do to get ahead as a country? What would the one thing be that you think we could do to say New Zealand is actually ahead of the game from a tech tech safety, um, you know, high tech um, perspective? 
Yeah, I think um, there's a good opportunity for us to really leapfrog uh, and, and get ahead. The problem we've got is a lack of awareness of how important technology is to the New Zealand um, uh, nation uh, at government level. Um, we've got a, a story on techblog.nz um, that uh, I edit uh, this week from uh, from Wellington about the lack of um, policy or understanding yeah. of technology at government level. You know, this is this is uh, Ian Appley's written a very nice piece about um, where's the policy? Show us your policies, and there just aren't any. Yes, I mean, yeah, it, I it's a wasteland, yeah. you know. And without awareness and understanding at that kind of level, uh, I don't think it's going to filter down through the country in any way, shape, or form. You know, the wider tech sector is our third largest export earner, mm. and given what's happened to tourism in the last twelve months and the next twelve months, I suspect it'll be number two, just behind food production. This is a big part of the New Zealand economy. It largely um, goes unseen by the policymakers. And because of that, uh, we don't have the support in terms of um, profile in education. We're not encouraging our kids to take up ICT careers. Uh, we're certainly not encouraging uh, ICT companies to set up in New Zealand. There's, there's still no real um, support for early stage investment beyond some big government funds. Um, our R&D spend is about half the OECD average, uh, and all of that comes from government funding. There's no private funding at all. We just don't have the funds or the support. And uh, many years ago, uh, I interviewed a, a very smart guy who said, the reason is ICT has no mana in New Zealand. We just don't have a seat at the table. Nobody takes us seriously. And yet here we are, even with that as, a, as an anchor, uh, we've got up to being... Um, second or third export earner, uh, I think we've got a huge potential to be bigger than um, than the primary sector within a decade if we if we grasp it. But it's got to start at uh, government level. They've got to understand what is needed from them to drive this forward. And a lot of it is regulatory. A lot of it is legislative. Uh, but it's also support for the sector as a whole. And I just don't see any sign of that at the moment. It's um, It's a real worry. Yeah. So, Paul, when are you and Ian starting the high tech party of New Zealand, and can you can you get past the five percent? Um... Can we? <laughs> well, I don't know. You you know the ICT sector as well as me. There, uh, there's everyone from libertarians all the way through to anarchists, That's and right. uh, I'm trying to herd cats is um, it's probably above my pay grade. But I'd like somebody to step up and do it. I'm not sure a pasty white guy is uh, is quite the answer, but um, it's a question <laughs> worth asking anyway. Yeah, awesome, Paul. Look, um, it's it's a great point, I think, to end on. Um, we'll drop a link to Ian's, I think, um, it's a blog post, isn't it, um, that he wrote yeah. in the in the comment section as well, because I think it, it is um, worth reading for all the um, reasons you, you mentioned in terms of just how important tech is, but how little understanding there seems to be um, with with the policymakers. So, look, again, thanks a lot for joining us today. Um, great chat. We were going to talk for um, 10 to 15 minutes. I, I've, I've got... Um, I got far too um, into that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I always go long. I need an editor. Cut it all down. No, it's per perfect, Paul. Perfect. Thank, um, thanks a lot for joining us. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in for Top Shelf Tech.